You know how they have the eternal flame? Who it, does? Just in like various monuments and yeah, stuff. Yeah. It would be cool if for like a comedian or something, if you had an eternal, eternal an eternal whoopee cushion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be that hard. You would no, just, it wouldn't be. You would just need an air pump that pushes air through a rubbery <laughs> flap mean, thing. And it wouldn't be illegal. And then I have to ask the question, are you going to go deface a grave, you know, to, to get rid of this Bold problem? Move. The would eternal get fart. Would get cursed by the eternal whoopee spirit. Yeah. That's a bad... This, this is a, this is a great everlasting troll move. Yeah. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to episode one eighty seven of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast. Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I will not swear until the profanity warning. I'm Sam, and I'm sick as a dog. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is uh, January. Sickly Fools 2019. Mm, 2019. That's the truth. Yes, yeah. 2019. And before we get started, uh, we have a profanity warning. Profanity warning. All right, let's get started. Yeah. Uh, also, we would like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We got a new m- money person. Mm, new real do- demand. I think you call him With a our do- slick pitch. Yeah. A money giver. You call them donors. Uh, Keith says, been a small time dev for a long time, and you guys are easily my favorite dev team to follow and listen to. Keep it up, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks Keith. Thanks, Keith. That's super nice. Also, we'd like to thank our recurring supporters. Uh, and if anybody would like to just, you know, throw money into our pod, mm-hmm. t- pod tubes, pod tubes, yep. Uh, mm-hmm. you can do that over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Let's talk about life for starters. You guys are sick. Yeah. Something's going around, but it, we don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, we what? think Seth brought it in. It's possible that Seth's wife started it, but then her symptoms were different than Seth's symptoms. And then Sam got it last week, mm-hmm. but his, and then I got it like the same day. Or We've the day all after. been on a rotating carousel of sickness, but it's been completely different. Every symptom set has been different. So either it's, it's, it's learning, it's mutating, yeah. it's mutating to find the perfect weakness for each mm-hmm. person, yeah. you know, to cause the most psychological damage. Or because for Sam, it basically gave him fevers, yeah. which is not fun for Sam. No. Good for me, PTSD. it's mostly fucking up my throat, and I already have a fucked up throat, so it's been really hard to swallow. Ooh, wow. So this maybe. Very, yeah. This is dark. I thought, I thought it just made you cough a little bit, though. It did, and I hate coughing. <laughs> <laughs> he hates coughing even a little bit. <laughs> it's so I'm, not a, I don't, I'm not a fan of it. It's, uh-huh. You know, people are like, I hate needles. It's like, well, no shit. Yeah. Everyone hates needles. Yeah. You're not, you're not unique. No. In your hatred of needles. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, I don't mind. I don't mind the small needles from just like regular shots and stuff. But okay, you don't, we don't mind it. them. They're fine. Okay, but sure. you wouldn't be like, I'm going to opt for a stab today. Like that's going to yeah, be. Yeah, if no, you I, mean, could, I do that, I do that whenever I get a flu shot. You know, that's me opting into a stab for that day. Yeah, but you're not opting into a stab. You're opting into a flu shot, which is so, very yeah. It's a it's a neutral. Just get needled for no reason. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah. If your if your choice is if your choice was be stabbed by a needle. Or not be stabbed but by wait, all, else with equal. Equal. all else equal. All yeah. else equal. What about acupuncture? People who like acupuncture do like being stabbed by needles. I don't yeah. think they do. I think they like whatever it is that they that happens. That's from true. That. It's not all else being equal. It's like a flu shot. Maybe, yeah. but maybe yeah. they kind of get joined together after you do acupuncture for a while, and then you're like, I'll just get stabbed. You know? Yeah. Maybe you just, just feel you learn to love the needle. Mm-hmm. Mm. What is the thing with acupuncture? I haven't. I, I haven't know. looked into it other than that people get stabbed a bunch with needles and then they're yeah. like, oh, yeah. I've mean, some friends who've done it who said it worked really well for them. But I think a but lot it, of What did it work? What did it do? It's a, it's yeah, a it very works. potent placebo yeah. effect. Oh. Yeah, because there's actually you – can, you can recreate the entire effect by doing things where you pretend to poke people mm-hmm. with needles, but you actually just like put 
like a cold you can just touch them with a cold thing so it feels like they got poked you know? mm. yeah so, i could see in the punisher where he like sizzles a steak and it pokes the guy with a popsicle yeah. you know because your body can't actually tell between mm. really hot and really cold at the yep. first sort of go yeah so you feel like yeah, the thing stabbed. is and you know and people people that, like that to, was the hor- horrifying scene it was <laughs> yes. grilling a steak he, and poking a man with a popsicle i can't believe he tortured a man by touching him with a popsicle was that, that was the old punisher yeah i think it was old which punisher. is then hilarious in comparison to the new punisher on netflix because that is fucking brutal yeah a little he would, bit he more. would literally he sizzled a man while eating a popsicle in yeah. The new one. yeah that would be more accurate yeah. definitely but yeah it is it is funny to me though because that whole whether acupuncture is real and what does it actually do and all this kind of stuff it's like it doesn't matter that it doesn't do anything because it does a thing yeah. it does the placebo effect mm-hmm. and the placebo effect is a real medical treatment. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, you know, don't knock, don't I wish, knock placebo I effects. wish there was a little more honesty in it, though, if they just called it, like, placebo needles or something, yeah. you know? But then, you know, you got you to gotta have the hype around it to make it work. There's an article it, it in the New helps, York Times about yeah. it that, like, the more sort of theatrical it is, yep, the, more, the yeah. more the effect works. That's true. So cool. actually should, you could just call it super legit acupuncture that'll, you know, cure so How do you take like, it? Show minute. How do you take it to the next level? So what the what I read about was the woman would like jump on the table and stuff like you know like while she was doing it she would fling him for a cross. Did the she room. have yeah, a like dart really? or like a blowgun? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there was like music that would play. You know, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the, the final countdown. Yeah, yeah. The only problem <laughs> is so, but the placebo effect cannot do things like cure cancer and stuff, right? Yes, so right. the only problem is when people use this stuff because I don't give you know, it's so same, it's the same with homeopathic yeah. remedies, right? Which because they literally don't do anything. Uh, but that's fine as long as you're using it to like treat a cold or to right. treat the flu or whatever. It wouldn't even a mild form of those. Well, things. you're not treating the cold. You're just uh, feeling better about having a cold. Yes. Yeah. Which, and then which your which body cures you, it over time. Exactly. It makes you heal yeah. faster. Um, so that's all fine. The problem is only when you start using it for, you know, stuff bullshit that you purposes. need medicine for. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yep, 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 yep. If only the problem is that for some reason people just can't tell the, the difference in like in using nuance you for know, things. You know? Paint with a broad stroke. If you're yeah. like, hey. Acupuncture worked for this like mild headache. Yeah, I had. So when I just I have use it to cure my colon. Well, cancer. you know when people don't that. understand nuance, there's money to be made. There, there is so, a lot, a lot. There is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about Bandersnatch. Yes, so that's how you. That's, I believe that's how you, how you say it. Uh, this is a show. Bandersnatch a, is a show that came out on Netflix, and it's a choose your own adventure. So I saw everyone's talking about it last week or last two weeks. Um, so is this the Black Mirror it. thing or is yes. this It is a Black Mirror yeah, thing? it's a Black Mirror thing. It's a single episode, I guess. Uh, but basically what it is is, is they, they added in this control in Netflix where at certain points in the movie, you have these two choices to make that pop up at the bottom of the screen and then you pick which path hmm. to go down, right? And so the first one they give you is like, do you want cornflakes or do you want uh, – what is it like some – other baby's blood. Yeah. Well, not. <laughs> they don't go that dark. So the characters sit there looking between them. Do I have the cornflakes or the cornflakes. baby's yeah. blood? Uh, <laughs> it, is, it is Black Mirror, I assume. Just horrible things. I mean, horrible happen. things do happen. But uh, it was it was pretty fun to actually do. I heard somebody commenting on it and they were like, this is very depressing. And I already spend every day choosing between terrible options. <laughs> just in life. Why would I want this? I mean, it is about, it's about a person who's like slowly becoming unraveled. So the guy, the, the name of it's called it's Bandersnatch. It's based off of in the movie. I don't know if it's actually true, but there was a choose your own adventure book called Bandersnatch. And then this uh, young guy, probably like either early twenties or late uh, teens, who has like some medical or some mental issues, is programming the game out of the book. A cho- he's basically programming the first choose your own adventure game. It's like set in the eighties, uh, and then through that sort of like slowly 
just kind of unravels. So it's know? a choose your own adventure movie about a choose your so own adventure. This, this is my only problem. Being with turned it, into a choose your own adventure game. It got it was so That's too meta. Yeah, it was it was a little too meta. That's several for me. layers deep. There. But it was actually really fun. And I found so I watched another show afterwards and I found myself kind of wanting. I was like, can I make the choice here? Because <laughs> like I know what's good, you know. Well, people always want this. You know, people are always screaming at the TV during, exactly. during yeah. sports games and stuff. Yeah, but imagine if the, during a horror movie. The option was like you see that door creak open and it's like go in there, don't go in there. You'd be like, don't, yeah, don't, just leave. The problem and is that this technology can also be used for evil. I was watching mm-hmm. the uh, the Ellen DeGeneres stand up, the recent one, mm-hmm. and after some of her punchlines, they would pop up a little button that would be like, "Want to see that again?" And just like ruining everything. Wait, really? Yeah, like this is, this is a Netflix thing. It was like the same button that they use for this thing, right? Like it shows up because it can control the playback rate. And so, but after, it's a, but after it's a joke. Every, yeah, after every fucking joke, if like when the audience laughed enough, I guess then they would pop up a little button like "see that again." And I'm like, "What? Well, you just fucking ruined this! You ruined this whole no, you know what it is. Thing. You know what this is for. Huh. This is for people who run Netflix in the background while they do other stuff. Mm, yeah, so they would hear like the the laugh in the back. Oh, I didn't listen to that joke, oh. and then they would click on that button. Maybe that's I didn't what they're for. using it for because there's no other right scenario now, right? where you would re-listen to a joke immediately after hearing it. Mm. I hated it. And there was another stand-up <laughs> where they didn't use the button, but they would put a hashtag. Like so, the uh, I can't remember who it was, um, but every time she would again have have some punchline with a joke, they would make up like a Twitter hashtag that kind of summarized the punchline, mm. and they would put that in the bottom left corner. And so. It, I think I saw. Just, I think I saw that one. Too, yeah, yeah, it just. It, 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 I just ruined. It ruined the immersion in such a horrible, horrible. Like, can't way. we just they share did, a moment? They better give you an option to turn that off. I guess they didn't have one because we looked for it. Mm. So yeah. So That's as rude. much as I'm excited for the idea of a choose your own adventure, I'm a little worried about Netflix's capability to not just be an idiot about where they're using this technology because they basically it started with the skip button. Remember, like the yep. way they were, everybody was so pumped. Skip the intro. Said, yeah, let you skip the intro. Like fucking mm. brilliant. And they said, cool. Let's now use this for. Choose your adventures. Also awesome. Mm-hmm. And they thought, why not just have this all the time, just mm-hmm. for everything? So you can just at any given moment, you can read all the options at your disposal. Mm, pop ups. Yeah. Yeah. Pop ups. People love pop ups. Yes. So Control. if you didn't choose, did it like pause? Yeah. So basically, like they, what, the you know, the dad would like in the case of the cereal, he's like, do you want uh, you want these? You want these? And then it would sort of. They did a really good job of sort of just cutting between the two of them. No, it's not really a loop. It's like he would like the the screen sort of always gets. Or sorry, the character always gets lit a little bit differently, and there's like this moment where the choice is happening, like a like dialogue in Skyrim or something. Yeah, like kind of. Kinda. Yeah, and then you and then you choose, and like they'll they sort of make banter for the five or ten seconds, regardless, and then and then once it goes up, whichever choice you made sort of sinks in, and you're like, okay, yeah, I'll take this. Now, is it is it like? Because I remember a really good job. I remember reading thing, huh? Choose Your Own Adventure books as a kid, uh-huh. and invariably it's like what even, even no matter what the choices are a like you have no way of really discerning what the right choice is yeah and b the wrong choice generally kills you so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah well, be so, like do you want the cornflakes or the oatmeal like, it's, it's like, like the, the, oatmeal, it's like the it's stanley like, parable well so yes. my, my problem with it was like uh you know as a as a person who's also a developer of games i was like all right we need to ship the best product here so whichever whichever fork gets me to the point where bandersnatch is the greatest selling game like that's the one i want mm-hmm. because basically what happened is is as you get to or the end of whatever the fork is that you took, uh, there would be like a little sort of 1980s style review of Bandersnatch that would play. And and they'd be like, oh, what did you think? They'd talk to this like weird oh. dressed kid to be like, what do you, what did you think of this? And they'd like, oh, you know, it seemed really well put together, but then you guys kind of lost it throughout. And then, you know, two and a half stars. And so it's, at some point, I just, it very much became a game for me where I was like, I need to get five stars. Like, this is what this I is going to be. I need to make this game. I need to make, I need to ship the best product. 
which spoilers. So if you don't want to, if you want to do the Bandersnatch thing yourself, go for it. It is very gory, which is why I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for most people. Very gory and dark. Um, in order to get, in order to make the game a five out of five, you have to kill your dad and chop up his body. Okay. Oh sure, man, it's yeah, the only way to do it. Just like life. And then, <laughs> and then they, and then they uh, reveal like you know six months later than the dad's body was found or pieces. You have to kill your dad and chop up his body. It's the in only order in order to it get is a five star. Interesting that, that the first time Netflix decides to to try this technology is on like a super fucking dark thing. Yeah, it's really. But the one of the funniest ones though. So now that we're in spoiler territory, so because the kid basically becomes aware of the fact that he's not choosing his actions, that someone else is choosing. Oh, so this is just a Stanley Parable. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so he starts becoming aware of it and. Uh, and at one point he like screams up while he's typing his computer breaks and he had like the basically the lights dim and he's about to make a choice and he screams up and he's like, Who the fuck like who's who is this? Who is it? And depending on your choices, at one point you can say that it's Netflix. Okay. <laughs> and then on this the is, little like this, so they, they went as meta as they Yeah, they went as meta as, as they could. So yeah. on like the little monitor, it's like uh, I'm watching on Netflix, uh, it's a streaming platform from the future. And the guy's like, What? <laughs> what is Netflix? And then his dad comes in, and then he chops. This is actually this. No, this is my favorite yeah. one because this is one of the only ones that doesn't have like a super dark ending. His dad comes in, and he's like, "What's going on?" He's like, "I uh, someone from the future is is talking to me." And he's like, "Do you want me to call the psychologist?" And son's like, "Yeah." And then they go, and then the psychologist just asks this hilarious line of reasoning. She's like, "Okay, so don't you think that if you were on an entertainment streaming platform, that it would be a little more entertaining than this?" <laughs> Because, because we are in like a regular room. I'm a regular person. And then your your choices are yes or hell yes. Like I want more entertainment. Right. Yes or hell yes. And then no matter which one you choose, he like splashes her in the face with a teacup. And then she whips out two like batons and they have like a fucking fist fight. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite part of the whole thing because I was like, incredible. What? Yeah. And then at the end of it uh, – so like that that ends one sequence and he screams like as he's being pulled out the door or something about like his friends from Netflix. Or if you choose slightly differently, um, then you try to leap out the window instead of fighting her, and then it zooms out and you're on the set and he's so he just jumps <laughs> and they're like they're like what do you do? You're not supposed to go out the window. And he's like I thought I, thought I was gonna go. Out. And then the, it's super fucking weird. It's like I thought it was really fun. It was very fun. Weird. I, yeah, I like I like that aspect of it. So they but they went they went so hard on the meta level and then also like the meta level. And the darkness was so intense for both of it that yeah. like, I could totally see it not – like it's not a thing I think most people should actually watch because it's yeah. not – it's too dark. Like Diana came up and – my wife came up and watched it for a little bit and she was like, this is really unsettling. Like the whole <laughs> – this vibe of the whole thing is yeah. very unsettling. Yeah. Well, I mean I guess that you know the technology pr- is proven now. I think I so honestly, maybe you'll see more. Yeah, I think it would be, be a really fun – I can imagine watching with a group of friends something like that that's more – you know, like especially like a, a rom com or something that's actually like fun to watch, like an mm-hmm. action movie, and like being able to make those choices as a group would be hilarious. Well, that it's is so an interesting fun. thing because because nowadays when new content drops on Netflix, mm-hmm. it oftentimes happens kind of silently, yeah. like it's just there, and then people will just watch it off on their own, yeah, over a weekend or whatever, and then they come in on yeah, Monday and like, hey, did you it. see like, oh, there's a new season of Blur, uh-huh. and then they talk about it after the fact. But if you knew that there was like a new choose your own adventure movie coming, yeah, you could like have friends have a party, have yeah. a party, get some popcorn, yeah, peanut butter, or at least compare endings. Like when you got to work the next day, you know, if everyone yeah. watched it on their own, because it took me a, it was probably like two hours to 
scrub back through and go for I'm pretty sure I found all yeah, the Yeah, it gives here. you a lot more to talk about than the normal thing. Because normally you all just saw the same thing. And right. so you just say, hey, did you see that? And if the answer is yes, you're like, cool, then you know everything I do. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so I guess the end of that discussion. We did it now. Yep. We can Well, burst. weirdly enough, like, because it was such a, I mean, that like that bank into the self-awareness of Netflix is watching and then making a joke out of it. Yeah. Was like such a weird thing to do. That, of course, and, like, they would never have done that if it was just, like, an hour and a half long show. Right? Hopefully they get a Deadpool movie. Oh, that would be so it, good. A Choose Your Adventure Deadpool. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm you, like, I think it could be a really cool little, you know, a really cool medium. I mean, you could even bring that into a theater and people could vote with a Ooh, smartphone or something. Yeah. But then, of course, everybody would have their, their phones out of the theater, which – Don't they already? But they already do. So I guess <laughs> I guess it's no different. Comes out the same. Yeah, I guess we'll see in the next uh, – Yeah, next, next time there's one that's not so damn bloody, I think it'd be fun to yeah. everybody All right, see. so do we want to do you want to make a B. Scott Stratibus prediction that Deadpool 3 will be a, a choose-your-adventure choose movie? <laughs> I wanted to – I think – but they've uh, – Marvel's been pulling out a lot of Netflix stuff. They've like canceled yeah. all their programs and stuff, so I don't know. So maybe they'll have their own thing. Yeah, I don't know. Or I don't know. I mean, Infinity War's on there. There's a bunch it of is, but They canceled all the shows, there. though, so I don't know. They canceled mm-hmm. the stuff that Netflix was doing for them. Oh. Maybe because they needed to cancel them so they could reboot them as choose-your-own-adventure shows. Maybe. Maybe. Probably. Probably. Fit the medium nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get on to some studio news first. Mm. Shenanigan Jam. 2019. 2019. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> it's happening. Uh, July 12 to 14. Mm-hmm. Go are to we sh- sure those are the dates? Because every time we look at any dates related to this, they're different. Those are correct. Those okay. are the wants. Shenanajam.com is where you go. What is the Shenanajam? The Shenanajam is a three-day jam. Uh, it's actually a 48 hour jam. It takes place over three days for anybody in different time zones where we choose three uh, themes from the podcast titles of the past 52 episodes, and then we jam. We jam along with the community. Last year, we had about 400 participants, and about 115 games, I think, came out of it. Uh, The year before was about the same. So uh, if you have ever made a game or not made a game, it doesn't matter. So if you're you're alive. If you are a person person who is interested in doing wacky things, to me, it's kind of like doing, I don't know, almost like like a Tough Mudder. Or like an obstacle course. Like it's just a weird For thing to mind. do. Yeah, yeah. Over a weekend where it's like if you haven't done it before, it's fine. You can just go struggle through it. And at the end of the day, you, get electrocuted. you just get electrocuted and covered in mud. It's yeah. fine. You know? So And then you got stories. That's what and it's you about. learn things. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we always have a really good time with it. And uh, you can go to shenanigan.com that links out to the page. There's already quite a few people quite a few people who have signed up for it. And you can see also the uh, top ten video we put together last year uh, for basically the top ten rated jam games that came out of it so the community actually rates the games for another two or three weeks post the jam and there's actually i think last year we had like 2100 ratings or something like that came through so people yeah, pretty good people do a really good job of of uh looking at the people's stuff and then we actually sit down and do a little let's play of the top 10 games so definitely go and check that out it was it's always a ton of fun and we're doing it again this year so and again you don't have to know shit you have to know shit. You don't have to go anywhere. That's the slogan of the jam. You don't have to know shit. Mm. Yeah. Shenana Jam 2019. Are you yep. a person? <laughs> get electrocuted. Yep. Shenana Jam 2019. Yep. Just get in there. Mm-hmm. Shenana Jam. Jam for people. Mm-hmm. Are you a person? Be a person. There's also the Global Game Jam coming up in three days from the time you Which listen to this podcast. we are also doing. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So you should get in on that too. And if you don't have a location for it, you just want to kind of participate mm-hmm. sort of uh, in, a, in a less official capacity, you can hop into our Discord and chat with people in there too. Yeah. Um, because we know we know depending on where you are, it might be hard to find an actual group. Yeah. 
Um, but there's already people. There's people in our in our Discord. So and just the St. Louis Game Jam site is, I think, already top five in the either in the states or in the world. I can't remember. I think it's top four in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and top something in the world. It is yeah. going to be top something. I've, I've always provided information. Thank you, Seth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's always a, one of the biggest ones, literally on the planet. Which is, I know some people are always shocked and excited by. So. Uh, if you're anywhere nearby, the uh, it's it's hosted at Umsel this year. It's one of the schools here. And, That's the uh, University of something something. Missouri St. Louis. Missouri St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Did we we didn't do it last year? Did we, we did the the Global Game Jam. Yeah, we did it. What did we make? I don't uh, remember what we made. When did we make Goop Legacy? That was Shenanah Jam last year. Okay, I think because we had just started Levelhead, we didn't. Do uh, maybe oh, we, we went, but I think we didn't jam. Yeah, that, or maybe we jammed on Levelhead. I think that's what we did. Yes, yeah. because that was when I made a bunch of leaves for the Sam first time. Sam made a bunch of leaves, yeah. So okay, we're gonna yeah. do we're gonna do a legit game. Mm-hmm. The the downside of the global game jam is they demand that you upload your source code, yeah. which we are not uh down we're not down. Yeah, so we participate in a somewhat unofficial capacity. So probably what we'll do this time is make a game, put it on itch, mm-hmm. and not give people our source code. Yeah. yeah, that's what we usually do. Yeah, no offense to Global Game Jam, but we got a business. To but run, that's so. crazy. Yeah, we got too much weird stuff in our code. For- yeah, and I, th- I think for them, they're like, well, it's because of the spirit of the thing. We want to make sure that you've created all of your assets. And it's like, well, guess what? If you didn't, now they're hosting copyrighted material. So this doesn't really that's help. That's also true. It's kind of weird. You know. Weird. Uh, but yeah, so we're really excited about that. We haven't jammed in a while. When was our last one? But, uh, last one was Shenanigans Jam. Yeah. So it's been six months. Year. Yeah. So long. I'm ready. I'm ready. We got to do our prep. Uh, we do have a bunch of sort of jamming tips in a mm-hmm. document on some stuff you can do to prepare. Yeah, if you're interested in the Global Game Jam, actually go to shenanajam.com and read. Yeah, all the info. Read all the info there because it's about jamming and stuff yep. like that. And then so. again, go to go to discord.gg/bscotch mm-hmm. to just chat with people and, and question uh, people. In there. Yeah, make it a social. I mean, the thing that's fun about it is basically talking to people while they're doing it, showing what you're working on, and, and doing that kind of stuff. So. Um, just, uh, just, yeah, just fucking get now, in last, there. last year, because we made the goop legacy at the Shenanah jam, which was a very systems heavy stats, heavy game. And we just did not have anything really functional until like hour 40. Yeah. Uh, this time I'd like to make something more, a little more punchy, more punchy. Okay. We can do that. Meaning about meaning a game With punches. about punching. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm already with you. Yeah. We should make a sort of a smash brothers style, mm. um, Scotch universe game, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. That'd be good. That's that's done. Super easy. Yeah, so. independent of what the theme is. We have already done that before. So yeah. we want. There you go. What was it called? The butter. It's called hot spuds. Hot spuds. Yeah. Yep. You play as potatoes throwing bombs at each other and racing to rub mm-hmm. butter on yourself. Fun fact: that potato is the potato in Flop Rocket that appears yes. when you turn your thrust all the way down. And they're wearing colored bandanas. Yep. Otherwise, I know I can, the difference because yeah, I'm not making two faces. Yeah. Yep. You know how potatoes are. You with know, their they just bandanas. got one face. Yep. Uh, all right, and then last bit of news to talk about is uh, let's talk about our DevOps stuff. So last week we talked about yes. that we had read the Phoenix Project, <sighs> mm-hmm. and we were like, oh, my God. And it's then, so good. So then last week after the podcast uh, recording, then we started doing some work to evaluate what the what the F is going on in our, in our studio mm-hmm. and try to find problems with our pipeline and stuff. So – Let's talk about it. How's it been? What and have also, we done? I also want to follow up because I mentioned the the DevOps handbook, which is kind of like the mm-hmm. book that's about the details of of the sort of novelization thing. And last week, last week I said it was basically just a business jargony, yes, nonsense pool. And that is true for the first three parts. How many, How many parts, parts are, there? are there? A lot. Okay. Oh, okay, there's like seven or eight or something. All right. 
So the first third of the book, I think it's, I think it is the first three parts. You could literally just skip. Okay. It'll be completely fine. You won't you won't lose a single thing. What about that back chunk? But the rest is all quite good. Back actually. chunk. Yeah. Mm. So I would <laughs> I would recommend if you if you read the Phoenix Project and liked it and thought I want to I just want to think about this more, but in sort of uh more conceptually without without this sort of novelization part, but just I want to get into the details, you know? In a less thrilling, less sort yeah. of interesting kind of in a way. It's still Why interesting you if buy? you like the topic. Yes. You know? I did see a few people had picked up the book and read it in Discord. Yeah. And we're talking about it, and some people were like, they got stuck on it just like we did, you know, where it just sort of grabs you by the face, and then yep. you're off to the races learning about DevOps on accident because it's a good book. It is. It is. So yeah. what have we done? We, well... We've done a lot of stuff. So we, though, I guess the, the question to set back the question of what's the point and what's the goal. Um, and really it is that we don't want to have a repeat of the experience we had when Crashlands came out, which was that the studio was sort of crushed and hampered for a long period of time. And so really what it comes down to is making these processes that can protect the studio and protect us as people. And that can scale. And that can scale, which we really haven't been able to do. So uh, what that came down to for us was sitting down and asking a bunch of these questions, mainly uh, the, sort of the first angle we took on it was just uh, there's a series of questions around waste that come in uh, actually the back of the Phoenix project that's actually the intro to the DevOps book. Um, there's just sort of a point by point. Here's the different kinds of waste that exist in an organization, uh, whether it's software or whatever. And uh, here's how to think about them. And so we just went through that list and just asked the question, where do we have this? Where do we have this? Where do we have this? And that yeah, basically just right after the podcast, we spent the rest of the day yeah. going through this stuff. And yeah, it took the entire day. And then we redid our Trello boards. We redid literally everything about how the studio operates. We rebuilt so, the whole workflow for yeah. every project. Yeah. yeah. And uh, already it's proven to be very good. We I started think. making a better centralized uh, knowledge base using Notion. Yes. We actually have a repository for institutional Because we did knowledge. have – yeah, and we had a lot of stuff. Not We didn't make a concerted effort to make sure we had – we're documenting everything. But we still had a lot of documentation. It was just basically scattered about in Google Docs. Yes. And Google Docs' folder structure kind of sucks, so yeah. it was never really organized. Yeah, so, and the whole the whole pattern of just using search to find stuff is great, but only if you know what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and so that doesn't really work for documentation that well. Yeah, so uh, this huge reorg happened basically in a day. And then you know Tuesday came on and we implemented it immediately. So we had a production meeting. Uh, and essentially what that meant for us was we'd sort of define what that actually looked like. So in previous times, we would just be like, oh, we need a production meeting. Which is a vague, at an arbitrary. We need to time. talk about what's happening in production, but it wasn't. There's was no sort of like skeleton of how it's supposed to operate, and so we had all that figured out and just kind of burned down the list and uh, started kind of getting to work. And so the basic way it works now for us is instead of just doing work as it comes up, which is that idea of unplanned work, we essentially plan whatever is going to be the next, you know, I guess sprint is what you'd call it if you're coming from uh, an agile methodology, but the next chunk of work essentially as a team. And it's, then like, so, it's like the next two to three work days, basically. Yeah, as for now, because we're trying to make sure we get enough cycles in on the production meetings to figure it out. Um, and the goal is to eventually be able to stretch that out so you don't have to have so many meetings. But uh, for now, it's every two or three days. And so we basically just sit down and chat and look at all the stuff that's sort of come in, all the stuff that is that has already been there to do, and then prioritize based on you know some of these intelligent decisions about how to make sure that we don't – that we're able to reduce entropy in the project as we go forward, reduce bugs – uh, but then also build, you know, important features for for us and for users. And so, yeah. and actually, just consciously setting all the prioritization against the broad goals yes. of, of what we're trying to do for each project. Exactly. So, well, well and there was, a, and it allows us to make hard decision making criteria that we can then adhere to that we think guides our workflow better. Mm -hmm. Even things like 
uh, one of the things that Sam and I uh, discussed yesterday is when you're working on a big project, every now and then there's going to be some mm. aspect of it that if it just got fixed or improved a little bit, it would make working on the project so much more enjoyable. Yeah. And so we, we just called those beeves mm-hmm. or each one is a beef. Yeah, because it might yeah. otherwise be low priority. Yeah. In the sense of like it's a maybe a minor bug it's not that doesn't need to be resolved, doesn't yeah. break the game. Maybe it's a – uh, you know, something something relatively minor that you don't feel justified in, in fixing right, right now because there's so many big problems. Well, bugs fix. and beeves are kind of like the you know the opposite side of the same coin. Bugs mm-hmm. are like a problem with it's the a functional code. problem. Yeah, and a beef is just something where you're like it just pisses you just off. Stop! Like, and it's not that big a deal, <laughs> but it just for whatever reason the the way you come across it, how often it happens, whatever else, it's just that little thing, or or even just how long it's been a problem. Yes, you know, because we, we got a, we got a couple of of mechanics and level head that we we're still not happy with for, for mm-hmm. me the big one is is horizontal movement inheritance like if we you're can, i brought super mario in today on my switch yeah. and we're gonna so we got we're gonna do so, so like out. i might i tagged that as a beef and you know next production meeting i'm like we're figuring this shit mm-hmm. out and i'm gonna get it done because the game plays fine but when you're on a moving platform that's mm-hmm. going side to side it feels wrong to not inherit its movement it's like mm-hmm. if, it, if it's going to the right you know at 60 miles an hour. 60 miles an hour. And you're standing on it. You would think, oh, when I jump, I too will go 60 miles an hour, right? But then if you start running on the thing, Mm -hmm. let's say you can run at 10 miles an hour. Well, now you're running at 70 miles an hour and then you jump and now you feel like you're a missile. You're a fucking bullet. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's all kinds of – So the question is like if if it gets too close to what would actually happen, then it it feels horrible. It actually feels absolutely And and this is something that uh, uh, the game Tribes Ascend – that they, mm-hmm. they had a weird time with because in that game, you go real fucking fast. Yes. yes. And so they actually found that they needed to apply a 50% uh, velocity inheritance mm-hmm. on all projectiles. Because yeah. if they actually inherited your velocity, it would be an incomprehensible nightmare. <laughs> it and they basically is. Yeah. yeah. And they released a, a couple of weapons that their their whole special thing was that they had 100% velocity inheritance. Interesting. But, yeah. And those were like really extreme expert level things. But yeah, when you when you try to apply real physics to it, it breaks the game. Yeah. And so we still have I think you, you, you applied no inheritance, right? Is that what it's currently? Uh, We've done or tried a bunch of things. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's also weird because in, in level head, and this, this may be something that we need to, to figure out, but like in, in some platformers, they have, they have this idea that if you stop holding down a directional keys while you're jumping, then you just keep going. Right. right. It's like, if you're running you to the right, you jump and you let go of the right button, then you'll just finish your jump. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in level head, if you release the movement keys, then you also stop in the air. Yeah. You'll slow down. Hmm. Right. So you have deceleration. So you do inherit velocity, but if you're not holding any keys, mm. then you just immediately stop. So it feels like you're not inherited. Right. So it's kind of a, yeah. Yeah. So there's, a bunch there's of these, yeah, so this is so, a beef that's just been there for a long time. Yeah. So we basically rolled in a couple of these ideas, which is like, you know, you package up your beeves before the production meeting. You look through all the cards, like what are the, just a couple of things that. If they were just fixed, you'd be so much happier yeah, with so the you, product. You pick a steak so you can grill it. Exactly. And then we also throw those in there with the, with yeah. the weekly we want to, you know, We want to at least take care of a couple of beeves mm-hmm. every sprint. We want to at least take care of a couple of cleanup and optimization problems yep. so that we don't end up with a huge stack of entropic garbage. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, by the time we launch the game. Which yeah, is, it basically should be that your your feature additions should be overwhelmed by all the other stuff, really. Yeah. Because every time At this can, point in the project, for sure. I, and I actually think just in general, because features produce bugs. 
you know, with, at, a, at a one to many relationship, right? <laughs> which means that if you're making a feature, you need to be squashing as many bugs as other mm. features have generated to, mm-hmm. to just to stay afloat, you know? So I think it's, I think that was a, this important lesson that, that it feels wrong to not be adding features. Because right. if you, all, like if you go two sprints and all you do is fix bugs and clean yeah, things Yeah, and then out. it feels wrong. Like, oh, we yeah. haven't moved the project forward. It's exactly. like, oh, no, you have. You have, and you absolutely have. Because now you've and made it possible to go much faster yeah. later. Like this is actually what's just no less important. This is what's been really nice about the production meetings is that to basically because we agree as a, as a group what the priority things are, and those just go into your doing pile, and that's the doing pile is your only job. Yeah, for so the next of, couple of days. Exactly. So instead of before, it was like you had whatever it was that you thought you were working on and then, oh, this thing came up and we need to take care of that and it seems like higher priority. This thing maybe is actually more important. Um, and so the reality was there was never actually a set task list of things you need to do. Was, so, you had to remake decisions. Yeah, Every time you finished anything, yeah. you had to remake the next set of decisions mm-hmm. on what you should be doing next. So it's been it's, – there's a lot of clarity. It's weird like, though. It feels it. weird. Why does it feel so weird? Well, I mean, I mean, my my way of working for the past seven years has been just this like whitewater rafting of mm-hmm. like dodging all kinds of shit and taking care of sudden new things and whatever. Right. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh no, here's my ten things Get for the next by for the next day, yep. and I just do those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I find myself like I finish a task and then I have this weird itch where I'm like, time to figure out what's next. And then I'm like, Ugh, no, I guess I'll just do the next thing. Yeah. You know? right. It's been super nice. It just feels so very different. Pretty, it just feels to pre-figure it out. I think uh, the level of clarity is super nice. <laughs> and then there's a lack of an energy burn that comes with none of these decisions being made sort of on the fly, which is super nice. Well, e- even things like, you know, we, we converted our um, studio operations into a Trello board yeah. that uses the exact same workflow. Mm-hmm. And so now, whereas before we, j- we, we never would have, sort of a structured process on how to handle just general operations of like dealing with maybe our, you know, maybe our dental insurance needs to be renewed or something like that. And so uh, things would fall through the cracks because it was just cracks. Like there was nothing. It's true. (laughs) Everything was a crack for something Mm -hmm. to fall through. And so now we have this process and and we just, we know when things are going to happen. We know who's taking care of what and, Things are just fine. Just cruising, yeah. yeah. So I, we're going to keep on doing this for about a month or so, and then kind of have a review of you know this overhauled process and see what the reality is for us. Because of course, you know, whenever you start with a new system, it always feels very shiny and fun. Um, so there's a question of where are the you got to be willing to it? adapt it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's been good. I think it's been good. Yep. Yeah. I think the the important takeaway from this, no matter what it turns into, mm-hmm. is that all that time spent doing other stuff that isn't just directly creating features, which includes then planning and, and mm-hmm. keeping people in forward and running documentation, all that kind of stuff, uh, is is just no – it always felt like the wrong thing to be doing. Yes. We never gave ourselves room to do it, basically. Yeah. Well, it, it, it was always the case. Every time we had a, even just like a regular business meeting where we just ask, okay, what this thing is happening out in the industry. Does this impact us in some way? Do we need to make a decision of the consequence? Even having those meetings where we you know maybe chat for a couple hours or whatever, then all of us would leave feeling like, oh, we just wasted two hours that we could have spent mm-hmm. adding stuff to level head, right? Um, and I think moving outside of that way of thinking, um, I think is going to be the most valuable thing that comes out of this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. I think that's, that's what I got from the Phoenix project as well, which is this more, much more of a systems oriented view of the studio Yeah, where you say, it's not about your individual contributions coming out of max speed. It's about yeah. the studio's contribution as a whole coming out of max. Speed. Well, and it's understanding the relative, getting a better picture of the relative value of different types of contributions. Yeah. 
So like Sam, you were talking about, you totally updated your art process mm-hmm. to, to try to guarantee that any asset that comes to the game to be implemented is now tested. Good to be go. Yeah. Like it's tested against a framework so that we know that it can be implemented without any problems, right? Mm-hmm. And so before, because testing the assets was not production, mm-hmm. like that wasn't producing assets. My and job so it done. felt like a waste of time, exactly. right? Yeah. Um, and, and in my case, like this over this past weekend, I spent a couple hours literally just refactoring. Like I, I just was like, you know what? I just want to do some cleaning. I just want to do some, you know, weekend cleanup. And I just went into the the code base of Levelhead, and I just started like tracking down stuff Tying that had been that had been kind of pissing me off for a while in terms of how badly it was working or whatever. And I just spent a couple hours on Sunday with a cup of coffee cleaning things up. Mm-hmm. And before, I would always feel like if I was going to put time in on the weekend, it should be to move the the feature set right. forward so that we can, you know. Yep. Move on to the next. Yeah, I spent system. almost the entirety of last week building my automated tests. Yeah. Which is because I only started making tests like a month ago. And so my test debt I'm sure is horrifying for any of, our, <laughs> any of our web dev listeners. Do yeah. So, uh, yeah, because basically none of that was had any automated testing yeah. whatsoever. Um, and now almost all of it does. So, um, so, but it was very satisfying just to, you know, right, right. And I also caught a lot of unknown bugs while I was at it. Um, but it was very satisfying now that now I have this automatic. Testing that happens every time I'm ready to, you know, push the thing out onto the web and just seeing all those green check marks appear, mm-hmm. you know, and just being like, oh, I, I'm confident this is going to work. You yes, know? that's the it's thing. It's fucking yeah. miraculous. And now, and now when I, when Seth asked for a change and I'm like, oh shit, I got to do a hot fix and I go make the hot fix and I run my test suite again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I didn't break anything else. Perfect. Seth, this is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to work when you go try to use and it. I mean, I even had the, I had the thoughts, I think it was last Tuesday, we had a bunch, a bunch of changes to Rumpus. And that means I yeah. had, to, I had to update a bunch of stuff in the, in the game. And, and it's kind of thinking about things from this new perspective. I was like, okay, how do I make sure that you don't a, break everything that I know that everything is working <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that when I update everything to accommodate Adam's new process, that my changes work and how do I make it so that I don't have to worry about this question again later, you mm-hmm. know? So instead of just fixing it, testing things one at a time, you know, taking a whole morning to do that or whatever, I instead took an hour and a half and I built a rumpus uh, test suite on the game side. And so now under a certain condition, I can, I can just trigger a test and it literally just goes through and tests every mm-hmm. aspect of Rumpus in the game to send stuff off to the web. It checks everything. And just like in Adam's test suite, I get all the green check marks and I'm like, okay, yeah, it yeah. works. Everything is mm-hmm. doing what it's expected. Right. Yeah. So and of course for, for everybody out there who does, you know, software development in a actual in a, production house, yeah, in, in, a, in a less be very amateur place, you'll be listening to this and being like, well, duh, this is, mm-hmm. <laughs> and in fact, I'm horrified. Right. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about last week and when somebody asked the question, uh, what do, you know, self-taught programmers, yes. um, not pay enough attention to. And we're all, we're, we're self-taught the future. Yeah. We're, we're self-taught <laughs> yeah. along every domain, yeah. right. For what we're doing in here. And so while we all would have told you, you know, even years ago, yeah, testing is probably a good idea, right? We wouldn't have disagreed with that at all. But we also would have then said, but we don't have time for it because mm-hmm. we have all these features we have to make. Yeah, right. And, uh, and it's only in retrospect after now doing this for several years, thinking about how much time we wasted on maintenance, on and maintenance, putting like, out fires, bugs, putting out fires because we weren't actually mm-hmm. putting in the work up front to prevent that stuff from happening. It's, it's only now in retrospect that we can see just how obviously true it is that it's important to spend the time. Well, and, and honestly, mm-hmm. I, I still stand by the rationale early on uh, because when we made, we were making games over the course of like three months that had essentially no web features and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Then like 
So le- level heads uh, code base is now nearing a hundred thousand lines. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's big. It's a big game. Uh, it has a lot of moving parts that all talk to each other in a huge system. And it has web stuff. It has caching. It has asynchronous yeah, it's systems. A, it's a monster that needs testing otherwise. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's be but like Quadrupus Rampage, there are so few things that can go wrong. Yeah. That, like, well, you can see almost all of them in a single run. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm I'm okay with just cram – like in, in that scenario, just cram the features in, get the damn thing out in three months and – don't go bankrupt. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I, think there's <laughs> I think for me, it's mostly it's like when it comes to like to Scotch ideas. This is the moment we started adding web content where now yeah. we have basically two pieces of software that are talking to each other that are managed completely separately that can have their own versioning. Right. Yeah. That's where things start. That was that's sideways. where things get real sideways. And the fact that and I guess all of you web developers out there would be horrified to know that Scotch ID, the legacy system, mm-hmm. uh, has no test environment whatsoever. Yeah. And it only has production. It only has production. There's no <laughs> testing and there's no development environment. Yeah, there's a reason why we there is just there's a reason why we had to move on from yeah. that. Yeah, I literally I make a change locally and then you and pray. I just push it and then I just hope for the best. Yep. Uh, and often I'll just make a backup. God yeah, right. In that moment, I'll, often make, I'll make a backup <laughs> version of a script just with a new name and then like go into the code base and like have have that piece of code look at the renamed thing. You know, mm-hmm. I have to go manually do all of this. Uh, to just see if that thing works while I'm while I'm making it, you know, so that for something that's important that I want to make sure it doesn't actually break, then like that was my that was my way of finding out. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's you why can, we don't I mean, touch it anymore. There's a lot you can get away with. You can get away with a lot when yes, absolutely when you have no when you have a very small group of players. Mm-hmm. You're doing less complicated stuff. And you're the only person doing the work. You're the only person doing the work, and, and the consequences of your shit breaking aren't very high. Right. You know, you can, you can, you can just skew down, you can limbo under that super yeah. low bar, Which is no a, but, problem. But that is also an important lesson that I think, and I, I think you're right, that the fact that we weren't doing that at the beginning is still, like, it's fine. In retrospect, that was the wrong move in the sense of, like, how to do production properly and, and saving our future selves and so on, right? But it still wasn't actually the wrong move um, no. because because if you if you wait until you already know all the concepts and you already know, you know, concepts of, like, test-driven development and the importance of having a dev environment and how to how to manage your Git process so that people can collaborate with you. Yeah. If you if you're trying to start already knowing everything, then you can't actually. That's start. just too heavy. Yeah, it's to too much. Well, also, yeah, it comes with a lot of tooling. Actually, as you slowly yeah. build up the process. Yeah. And stuff. What you got to recognize is your your job is to make successful games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, super early on, if we had done all this future proofing work and and planning out the systems architecture for oh, Towel yeah. Fight Two, oh god, no, you the know, would not even yeah, because we, yep. we didn't know enough about it. We didn't have the systems. We didn't have the processes. Yeah. You know, if we already knew about that stuff, it would have been would have been no problem. Then, yeah. yeah, and then and then things would have been better actually. But That's, since we didn't, because we're self taught and just making this shit up as we go, um, then that was still it was still a perfectly fine move. And for anybody out there who's like making games, working by yourself, self taught, all that kind of stuff, uh, keep an eye on all this stuff. Like, start trying to learn it, but don't let, take your eye off the ball. Yeah, don't. But don't mm-hmm. don't let it keep you from working because still the most important thing is is doing the work because that's, that's, that's when you learn how important it is. I think if I had just like gone through school being told test driven yep. development is super important, always do it. Then I went to a job where they said, you're required to make sure everything is passed your test mm-hmm. before you do it. And that was a framework I came through. I wouldn't appreciate it at all. The benefit, the, the truth of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would just be like, this is just some bullshit I have to do. It's just like, a, it's just part of the chores and the, mm-hmm. and the horribleness. Um, but now that I know the consequences of it and I've seen it in action where, where, where you now get, you just get to see the the impact on your dev cycle and on your deployment confidence and on the organization as a whole. Organization, really, what it comes down. Yeah, then well, and, yeah, and, m- and morale takes it. a hit when on both sides of the workflow, right? Yeah. If 
Like if you're in the, if you finish something and you're like, okay, let's implement this thing. And then the other person's like, okay, hold on. Let me Shit's drop, broke. let me drop what I'm doing yeah. to implement this thing. Yep. They try to do it. They can't. Now you're pissed off and now they're stuck and yep. now everybody's stuck and pissed mm-hmm. off. Yeah. So, you know, it's probably better to just do it, <laughs> yeah, do it I'm, properly. <laughs> I'm really excited. I think it's going to be, a, it's a big change for us and I think it's going to be really good. Yes. Uh, all right. Let's get on to questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. <laughs> You'd like to get your, you guys okay over there? Yeah, I'm sorry. If you had to get your question on a future episode, you can go to podcast.bscotch.net. at the website. I did draft the new version over the weekend mm-hmm. as part of our new production process. It's beef. We uh-huh. had our production, our first production meeting. We were like, let's, we get it. This is, this is ridiculous. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and I, d- I didn't do anything to make it look good, but it still looks better. Incredible. The, uh, the old one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't handle questions yet, which is why it's not ready for, for testing on real human beings. Right. Because you know, that is the, the whole purpose. That's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. But it does – it actually can – you can page through podcast episodes and listen on the site and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. we, got, we got a new one coming. So it's, it's coming down the pipe. It's mm-hmm. coming soon. It's actually happening. And the problem is that this coming weekend is the Global Game Jam. So it yeah, will not so. be done this weekend. Yeah. But soon. But soon. But soon. But soon, but soon, it will happen. First question comes from Retro Banana Man NL. What is your favorite food? This may be in response to our uh, thirty-five minute debate about what food even is. <laughs> yeah. So let's forget about all that shit. Sure. And let's just hit this question. I think so. For me, just the general thing that I go to now when I get home is meat, cheese, and crackers. It's hard to lunchables. Be- it's like fucking it. lunchable. I'm realizing <laughs> yeah, but, it's but, just but a but fancy it's lunchable. higher quality. It's then. a very high quality yeah. lunchable. That's all it is. I got these Milton's crackers, which I don't know because they always have, you know, if you go to the grocery store, there's like that cheese thing mm-hmm. and there's meats around it. And then there's this table, usually it's a tiny table with crackers on it. There's this one called cars. And I hate cars crackers. Okay. C-A-R-R. Oh yeah. No. They're just like, they're they wafy, like nothing. They're weird. I don't like them. Are those are the ones that are very pale. Yeah. I think they're rice crackers. I don't they're know. They're like a little too big to even put it in your mouth. Yes. Yeah. And then they have a razor blade edge. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yep. I don't know who designed that, but it's just out of, it's. Maybe it's they were actually actual. designed as a weapon and then they were like, oh, actually you could eat this. It's like a Listerine product. You could, yeah. situation. you could slice a throat with this, but it is it's edible. edible. Yeah. Yeah. So next to cars though is a other brand called Milton's and Milton makes the best fucking crackers that I've ever eaten in my life. As far as like taking your lunchable from when you were a kid, but what kind of cheese are you eating? I use a sharp cheddar called 19 or 1884. It's a British I've had that cheddar. It's yeah. Good. For it's some good. reason I'm imagining in the grocery store, like the Milton's cracker box right next to the cars. And then on the Milton's box, you see Milton. And he's yeah, just he's like just looking guy. disapprovingly over at the. <laughs> I think the, the real thing is like Milton's. Is, I don't think it's as big a brand as Cars. Like Cars yeah. always has best placement for all this stuff, and they even like hid. The, like they recently changed up the store. You Are know, Car Crackers change- the ones that they always put people always put brie on and stuff. Yeah. Okay, it's really just it's a tasteless vehicle for cheese. I think yeah. you know, so it's like a pancake. It's like a pancake, but. Uh, but those Milton's crackers are so good, and then I just get like a summer sausage and some of this cheddar, and yeah, it's just my favorite thing. Hundred percent cheese. My my wife and I have gotten kind of into stinky cheeses over the mm-hmm. past few months, um, and so we're always we're always getting stuff and just kind of like, and then we open it up just to see how stinky it's going to be. We're like, oh, fuck yeah, you know. So, oh yeah, this is so oh, so good. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I was vomiting. So we got this. Uh, <laughs> we got this new this new that we hadn't had before this this weekend. It's just some kind of soft cheese, and it was it was weird because like it was it kind of looks like brie, you know, which doesn't have any taste or smell or anything. Uh, but then it had just like this very clear, like pungent, sharp smell. But it was kind of interesting with how this would be good. 
it had this weird, but it was so weird because that pungentness actually be like when you ate it, it turned into the aftertaste of like just Velveeta or something. So it was this very weird, like stinky cheese, like super high fancy end. combo of then having an aftertaste of just, but then there, there was a but problem. Velveeta though. is fucking delicious. I think, uh, I don't even know if I could eat it anymore, but it, I'm not sure it's been mm-hmm. a long time, but there was a problem, which mm-hmm. is we're eating the cheese and we're like, this would be really good on grilled cheese. Oh, you know? so, so you heated it up. So not only did we heat it up, but some of it got just like on the pan while it was really hot and fucking stink bombed the house. I was going to say, no. <laughs> and so, and it was you like, heated up stinky cheese. Yeah. yeah. And, oh. and, but there was something like something about that. It released only the worst parts of all. Cause like, <laughs> Oh my God, there's something good. There's something like weirdly, uh, appetizing about the stinky cheese because it's the combo of the stink, which is what kind of makes you grossed out with then mm-hmm. all the other deliciousness involved. Like sure. There's some mix of that. That's really it, good. So it's like, but a, this uh, was only the gross part. Okay. Like that was what came out of when we aerosolized <laughs> it. And so then, like, does that mean that oh what was God. left in the cheese was really good? Uh, no, because I could, I could only smell the, like the um, whole house smells. So like what this you gotta now? do is you gotta maybe make a grilled cheese outdoors. Get yeah. So uh, you air, it was you, twenty degrees. Outside. You aerosolize <laughs> the stink molecules. Yeah. They get they get out. Yeah. They get you out send of it to your neighbors. Yeah. Then you bring the the cheese the sandwich inside. Yeah. Get away from the stink cloud, and yeah. now you can enjoy it. A real you've now purified you it. Stink the or yeah. you can just buy Velveeta because it's yeah. <laughs> it still was better tasting than Velveeta would be, I think. But but that's if you like stinky cheeses. Yeah. Um, but I would say my favorite food is uh, is my wife's um, pork adobo, mm. which has got like I don't know, coconut and all, uh, just all kinds of shit in there. But mm-hmm. the, like the the meat just basically melts, yep. you know. Um, and uh, that's probably my current mm. thing. I have a, I have a few other just like dishes that I'm really into, but I think that's yeah, if I'm not, if I'm not rating how easy it is for me to just like have it. Yeah. You know, cause I can just like go and apply meat, cheese and crackers to a plate and it's done. Cause you don't have to do anything to it. Mm-hmm. Then definitely my wife makes these chicken drumsticks that are so fucking good yeah. that it's ridiculous. But the one time we had a friend over to, <laughs> this is hilarious to uh, have him try them. Then she accidentally set the oven at half the temperature Oh, and then we ate them, and we were like, "This tastes weird." <laughs> <laughs> and he was—I mean, he was very polite about it, and yeah. he was like, "These are pretty good." But I had been raving about these for weeks, and then we served him like half done. Yeah. <laughs> we were all fine, but you know, probably got a parasite here or there. You know, I do think it's funny that you couldn't tell that your chicken wasn't cooked. Well, because you do like because you can blast it at the end with a what's it called sort heat? Uh, Bruh, I can't remember the damn word. A Brillo pad. <laughs> <laughs> You Brillo blast it. Yeah. What I, whatever, where you heat the crap out of it for a second in the oven. Uh, basting. No, it's no, not. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? What Boiling. It it's a Broiling. Like, Broiling. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep on rolling. Yeah. So you Hot boil it for a second. Like, the outside blast. of it was super crisp because of this moment. Yeah, but then, but then once you opened it, couldn't you tell that it was just fucking pink just on the outside? Yeah, it was. It's, thing, it's like it was in there long enough that it wasn't. It wasn't like completely raw, but it was. It was definitely a little weird, hmm. a little slippery. Yeah, but the spices are so good that it covered it up. So that's that's one's a good sign for you. <laughs> that's how you do it. But you said mine would have to be flour tortillas. Ooh. What? Yeah, just a straight up flour tortilla. Well, by not by itself. <laughs> okay, because <I> <laughs> although say. I have done that one time, one time I was like, I don't have any bread and I want to have I want to have a peanut butter sandwich. Yeah, sure, of course. Peanut butter on a fucking tortilla. Ooh. It's great. Of course mm-hmm. it is. You can put Nutella on there. Delicious. Uh-huh. You can make a you can make a burrito out of it. Delicious. Put cheese in there. You put cheese in there. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Now you got a quesadilla. Delicious. Mm-hmm. It's it's the it's the perfect and you can take it to space because it doesn't have crumbs. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, because they flake, right? In in the International Space Station, they do not eat bread. They eat tortillas. So tortilla is a space food. It's space food. Wow. Yeah, which is then just cool. That's so, fucking yeah. awesome. And it's, you know, so my, my wife is from India and there's always – in a lot of areas of India, there's some kind of flatbread that you eat with They do here. have a lot of good flatbreads. Yeah, a lot of good flatbreads. Um, and so the tortilla is kind of like a nice, it's like a cultural middle ground, you know, because, mm. because it's very popular in areas around us and also mm-hmm. here in the U S mm-hmm. and so it's easy to get, we can use it for various other things. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just a great, it's just a great vehicle for bringing food into so you're, your You're mouth. all about that practical, the practical aspects of your food items. Yeah. But it's also super good. Mm-hmm. Not by itself. It's not. It kind of is. It's like it's it kind, kind of is, <laughs> but it's just kind of like eating a. a it, it's kind of like eating carbs by itself. You yeah, know? I'm with you there. But it's not going to kill you. No, it's, it's not going to slice, you, you, slice your lips. Yeah, it's not going to slice your mouth open unless you, so. unless you really bake the shit out of it first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm all about that space food. That's where I'm at. How do you feel uh, about space ice cream? I love space ice cream. Have you had it recently? No. Have you put it on a Doesn't tortilla? Hold up. Doesn't it hold not, up? No, it was fucking garbage. I bet you could take a tortilla. You could roll it into a cone shape, put ice cream in there. I bet that's good. Yeah, it's basically a waffle. What's a tortilla cone, I guess? Exactly. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a space <laughs> it's cone, a space actually. Cone. It'll be a very floppy cone, though. It'd be kind of hard to you gotta, like, control it somehow. It but, would. Yeah. Actually, yeah, if you wrapped it up in a cone shape and then fried it so it held its shape and then it was also fried. Which or is you do that thing where you take you take a paper cone, you know, and you put it in there and then you got it. Yeah. Tape, it kind of feels up. like cheating. That's what they do in like street food and stuff. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Know? Mm-hmm. So our next question comes from Peanut Enut. Do you fellows have any funny stories of glitchy gameplay uh, from early Crashlands? Mm, early Crashlands. My favorite story is from the beta. I think we've told this story. Which one? So originally in Crashlands, we had this uh, this mechanic in storytelling where we would tell players like go east. Mm-hmm. Or go south, mm-hmm. and that's the only way that they would know. It was to- yeah, it wasn't a mechanic. It was just written. It was just written words. Yeah. Uh it was it was to make up for the fact that like we didn't actually have uh, these like very like if you play Crash Bands now you'll know that that sometimes people will say oh yeah go explore over there and it'll draw a big ring on your map mm-hmm. and then it's you know that the the destination is somewhere in there yeah. and so we didn't have that originally. Well, we also didn't think we needed it. Because we we originally wanted it to feel less like you were doing a task, yeah. you know. So like we didn't want to give you all the info. We just wanted to say go off in this general direction until you find yeah. the thing. And so we did. We did have the systems in place where we could say like, oh, outpost B is you know two hundred tiles east of mm-hmm. outpost A. So we would it would be there, and then we would write up in the dialogue the NPC who gave you the quest. They'd go, say go yeah, due east. You just go due east, and you'll find mm-hmm. it. You know. Yeah. The problem was that since it's a Top down thing, you, you can, don't get to look into the horizon. Right, so you can miss you can miss it. So you can think you're going due east, but really you went down just fifteen a bit. tiles down yep. over the course of those two hundred tiles. So you went down by like one degree, yeah. and now you just, you just end up right running forever. Or the even mm-hmm. better one is is perhaps there perhaps yes. perhaps something moved uh at some point and we never updated the quest text <laughs> so we'd say go due east but really it's due south and yep. now all of a sudden you've got players running east for like two hours <laughs> yeah making these 
super long ass uh, lines on their map of little this little corridor of exploration. I, I did appreciate at the time the confidence that that their testers had that we had done things correctly. Yeah, because they were like, if we just this must be intentional. They're like, it's got to be go over here eventually. Uh-huh. You know. Yep. Uh, but yes, yeah, that, that was my bad. Yeah. Yep. So that, that was one of that. We you know we found that during the beta and within the first couple of days we were like, uh, we need to redo this system. So we did. Yeah, that entire map system happened. I think on like day three of the beta because we got enough of those where people either would just walk right past something because you can't see outside. Was this during the beta that this happened? Yeah, yeah. we didn't we didn't have this until the beta. No, no we we created that, we do we created that <laughs> ring system during the beta test. I thought that was like after the alpha test. Shit, it was like you know it was like five weeks before we launched the game. Shit. And I feel like that's one of those things where again, like you can build a whole game yeah. and then there's this one mm-hmm. fuck up where if we had launched with that, yeah. With that missing, uh, man, that would have been real bad. I also like the, uh, I guess, and it's probably a bug because it's it's unintentional design mm-hmm. of the fat fish in Crashlands because we, we have this whole like progression thing where you can only get the fishing pole at a certain time and then mm-hmm. you can use a fishing pole. Then when you get to the next biome, you can't use your fishing pole anymore because mm-hmm. it melts or whatever, and so yeah. you have to go get a new fishing pole. You know, maybe like two or three hours in the quest uh, chain, uh, but. Then we thought it'd be funny if you could just store fat fish because they could mm-hmm. just like put them out like they were furniture. Right? So yeah, people fat like fish, picking them up. So. Yeah, because fat fish are these giant fish that you fish out of the water and they and you, they're like little pinatas. Then they you, have, you slap them a couple times, and yeah. they explode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good but, fun. But the way that they work <laughs> is like is they're just they're they're the same in all biomes, right? And they don't they don't have stuff in them. They just are a thing that when they break, the game is like cool. Let me pick some random shit that could have been in there, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it chooses that based on the biome you're in. Yeah. And so some people figured out. That if they just harvested a fuck ton of fat fish in like the savanna and then they went to the next biome, they didn't have a fishing pole yet. They could then break all their fat mm-hmm. fish open and get get fish from the next biome yep. ahead of time. And that was so Which clever. Like healing just, it basically ends up being healing items. You get chances to get the jacker gong, like the yeah. next giant. So you can get some pretty OP weapon. stuff yeah. by doing it. Um, and so, which was completely unintentional. Like we didn't mm-hmm. realize that that was a thing that you could then do. Um, and then just decided to keep it as a feature because yeah. it's yes. kind of fun. Yeah, I, I love those bugs that turn into features yeah, later yeah. on. Yeah, it's always good. All right, next question comes from Sevencho. Seth and brothers, but mostly Seth. Ha ha. This one's for me, guys. All right. Uh, do you still refrain from taking your phone into the bathroom? Have mm. the others started this ritual too? It's very intimate. Very intimate question. Very intimate. It is. Uh, yeah, most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. I, I try to read Kindle. Yeah, I bring the Kindle in there. I think the most important thing is that you have something in there that yeah. makes it so that your ass is numb by the time. <laughs> yeah, right? you need to make sure you stay in there for at least half an hour. Yeah, it's got to be at least. I half thought you were going to say like you don't bring anything in there and you do your business and get the fuck out, but you're like, I'm going to bring. No, no, this is uh, read through. It's this is a sacred part of the day where mm. you have to. It's num- just you alone with your thoughts and, and your poop and your numb ass. And your numb. You ass. need to ennumin your ass. Mm. Uh, once you can't, once your legs are tingly and that's you can't sign. feel anything from yeah. the waist down, that's when you know. Yeah, if you're not, if you don't <laughs> stumble <laughs> out the door, <laughs> then you were doing it wrong. Now the problem is, you know, if you don't bring any anything in there, then it's much harder to get to that point. That's you know? true. Yeah. You have to reach like a real meditative Zen yeah. state to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I think that's well. So I got that web blocker thing on my phone because I was tired of if I brought my phone in, then I'd look on I'm going to Reddit or some stupid shit. Um, and I got tired of it, so I have that blocker on my phone, and I don't – I can bring my phone in there now because I can't do anything. I just can't do anything on my right. phone. I just I just read because I have my, the Kindle app on my phone. The thing so is I like I, I used Kindle to books. just read all the time on there. And then I was like, if I want to read, 
I'm going to read not sitting in the same place where I defecate. You know what I mean? Like I just, (laughs) maybe those should be separate. Why not? You know, let's just separate those that and I'll get more comfortable. I think the most interesting thing about this is how it used to be. I remember growing up, people would talk about how you would have epiphanies on the toilet. Yep. Like this was a, this was a cultural. Was it the porcelain throne? Yeah. This was like a cultural thing that people just were like, yeah, sometimes you go in there and you just like have a brilliant idea. Mm Mm-hmm. And of course, really, that was simply because you weren't doing anything. Yep. yep. Right. You weren't reading. You weren't playing Candy Crush. You you were just sitting there. I assume this was back before they had books. This was before they had books. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think I, it's was, weird. Was, that, I don't think there was ever a moment in my whole childhood where I went to the bathroom and did not have a book or a yeah. Game Boy. But usually a book, though. Yeah. I think we would usually smuggle a Game Boy in there because it was a that's place. True, you, yeah. It's, yeah. It was I think that's spot. actually what started it for us because yeah. you're not allowed to play video games, but. Like Nobody's going in there. No one's coming in there after you. <laughs> so you just go in there, stay in there until your legs fall off, and then limp out. You're like, I don't know what happens. Crazy. Yeah, just, you'd have to like longest... sneak around. You'd find the Game Boy from wherever mm-hmm. it was stashed. You'd, you'd smuggle it under your shirt or yeah. something. And of course, it's huge, so you got to like – Yeah, because it's, it's the size of a literal brick because yep. this was the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think nowadays that's, – that's how that was. And nowadays, there's just shower thoughts. You know what yep. I mean? Because like that's now where Although aren't iPhones waterproof now? They are, but the conductive screen means if oh, water so gets on them, it. you still can't use the yeah. touchscreen for now. Mm. Yep. Are so, they waterproof? I feel like I thought, maybe this I thought that was those, one of their big brackets. Yeah, just dunk them right into a <laughs> glass of water. <laughs> I feel like every time some trolls release like beautifully photoshopped yeah, yeah. Apple like ads that show that you can microwave it and it'll charge, you can dunk no, it I, in I water. Think, I'm pretty sure they like that that's been a big thing they've been pushing for is making it so that they would be you know one of the recent Samsung's too, they had all these advertisements of like just like throwing water. water I would yeah, <laughs> I would argue that they are more more spill proof. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if you I just like dunk it. Yeah, never dunk a I remember seeing this one video clip of this this girl sitting on a dock, and she's sitting exactly aligned with the boards. Oh no! And somebody says something, she's like, "What?" And she just kind of like turns, and her phone just slides out of her pocket and just goes right between <laughs> right between the boards into the lake. And she's just like, huh! and that was it. It's gone. Yeah. Ugh. You know. But that phone, no matter how waterproof they say that shit is, that thing is done. Yeah, yeah. that thing is done. Yeah, there's no way. So. Until you've got the waterproof, actually waterproof phones that have usable touch screens, the shower is now the last place. Yes. It's sort of like sort of like watches where they'll be like waterproof to 15 meters or whatever. Yeah, you it'll know? be like that. So yeah. once they have that engraved on the back of your iPad, then you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Then, then, then what? Go. Then you can go scuba diving with it. You get a dive phone. You now, a dive phone. now you can't be alone can't with be anywhere. anywhere. You can't even go to the bottom of the ocean. Uh-uh. Now, the, now the, there will be a new subreddit called Diving Thoughts, yep. which yep. is like only now while at the bottom of the ocean can you have a clear <laughs> head and think about mm-hmm. think about things. Uh-huh. Or maybe commuting, I guess, while driving. No, because you got podcasts. That's yep. true. You always got to have something in your Those ears. Those fucking podcasts, man. Gosh. What a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, anyways, that's all the time for, we have for this week's podcast. Uh-huh. We'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can go to discord.gg slash bscotch. Come say hello. Uh, also, if you'd like to get some merch, we've got merch. So We do have merch. It's over at shop.bscotch.net. Just go look at it and then buy it. Yep. Now we'd appreciate that. Uh, last but not least, if you'd like to send us something, you can find the address over at mailbox.bscotch.net. Oh, we should also say thanks to uh, Dwarven Jester. Uh, yes. Dwarven Jester sent us a giant pile of candy. Yeah, he does this every 
four months or something. Every yeah. quarter. Yeah. Every quarter. He's got it on his calendar. Yeah, he, he must. This is quarterly. Uh, he usually includes a hilarious note, and mm-hmm. this one either did not or it somehow escaped in in uh, in route, uh, which was just so we, we would sad. have been reading that. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. out loud, but yeah. instead we're just full of candy. Yeah, which is so which is nice. Nice compliment. It's pretty good. Uh, and of course, if you'd like to help support the podcast with donations, you can uh, do that over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Go over there, and we'll grab your money. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.